Welcome to Ask the Expert with noted radio host Steve Sleeper. Each week, Steve interviews entrepreneurs and professionals and shares their intriguing stories of success and service. Now, here's radio veteran Steve Sleeper. Our guest today is attorney John Cannon with Cannon and Associates in Edmond, Oklahoma. They have extensive experience in a variety of criminal jurisdictions and will fight for your rights as fierce advocates. I began the interview by asking John about his firm. With the attorneys and staff we have, we dedicate our practice to serving those facing criminal charges, uh, divorce and custody issues, or going through uh, the pain of suffering a personal injury for themselves or a family member. Well, let's talk about criminal defense. Uh, What should I expect from a good criminal defense lawyer? A good criminal defense lawyer should have a firm grasp on not only all the laws that apply to the cases or charges that you may be facing or handling, but also should have an equally firm grasp on the procedures for how that case may or may not move through the process and also be ready and willing to fight your case both in motion hearings or suppression hearings, bond hearings if necessary, and also ultimately jury trial or a sentencing hearing if need be. Now, I also know that you're in the National Guard and you're a JAG lawyer, so what's the difference between criminal defense and and military defense? There's as many types of practice areas for military law as there is in the civilian context. Military law deals with all aspects of family law and criminal law, administrative law. Uh, There's really a wide gambit, but military criminal defense, there's a set, set of procedures that are set up by Army regulations or equivalent branch of the military. There's also orders or regulations put in place by commanders or directives. And then really the governing documents are in the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And there you would find the military rules of evidence, the military rules of criminal procedure, and other administrative rules and also the military code. So all of the military crimes as well as uh, general crimes that are codified there. So you've got murder and burglary and being intoxicated and those type of offenses, but you also have military-specific offenses, so fraternization and things where you're violating military-specific rules. Let's go back to criminal defense, and uh, uh, let me ask you this. What happens after a person is arrested? After a person is arrested, they either have a bond set by the agency that would be holding them, or a bond will be set by a judge. In Oklahoma, most district courts, their sheriff's department have a bond schedule where when someone is arrested, that law enforcement agent that brings them into custody will tell the sheriff's department what they're being arrested for. And so that will determine what their initial bond is set at. Obviously, the prosecution, the district attorney's office, the U.S. attorney's office, Uh, They will make decisions about what charges they're going to proffer or file charges on or present to a grand jury for indictment. And those will determine the bond after a judge has reviewed the case. 
But the bond initially is typically set by a schedule. And after someone is taken into custody, uh, if they remain in custody, they typically will appear in front of a judge for a semi-informal process called arraignment, where they're advised of what their initial charges are, their bond is set, they enter a plea of not guilty, and they're given a date that they can return to court where they and their criminal defense attorney and the prosecutor could start talking about the potential for working out the case or what it would look like to fight the case. What's the difference between a, a felony and a misdemeanor? So under Oklahoma law, anything that carries more than a year in jail is quantified as a felony, and anything that carries a year or less is a misdemeanor. Now, that's the black and white definition, but there's lots of things that go into how serious those things are and what the impacts are from those charges. So someone charged with a misdemeanor offense is looking at collateral consequences that are less serious than someone looking at a felony charge and lots of other aspects. Uh, But the biggest and the most obvious factor is that felonies carry up to life in prison or even death for capital murder cases, but always carry a year or more in jail. I know you also do DUI defense. When a person gets pulled over for a DUI, what kind of probable cause do the police need? Are they pulling them over for a DUI, or is it maybe something else like a blinker out or a headlight out, or how does that work? So the police have the authority to stop someone either that's driving a vehicle or walking down the street or in any other context if they have witnessed or believe they've committed a crime. So, yes, a traffic violation or an alleged traffic violation, such as swerving in between lane lines, floating a stop sign, running a red light, speeding. Uh, If you're in a place that has a minimum speed limit going below that speed limit, any type of violation for the believed uh, commission of a DUI offense, or if you believe that person and you have reasonable grounds or reasonable suspicion to believe that person has committed a crime, then you can initiate a traffic stop, and that's where the fun really starts in defending DUI cases. With a DUI, does a person have to take the roadside breath test? No, a person is not required under Oklahoma law to do the field sobriety test. Uh, Failure to do so can have consequences and impacts in your driver's license proceeding, but refusing to take the field sobriety test, especially when road conditions or circumstances with a person performing the test don't line up and have a serious negative impact in defending your case, especially if they're not performed correctly. Do the police make procedural mistakes? And if so, how often do you see that? Unfortunately, it's quite common that we see that law enforcement wear more hats than many people should. And There's only a few people that are in law enforcement that do traffic stops or interdiction that have the proper training and qualifications to perform field sobriety tests and perform them correctly. Unfortunately, they're performed all over the state of Oklahoma every night, more often at nighttime than daytime for obvious reasons. Uh, But oftentimes there are mistakes in how they're performed. And that, among other issues, principally our clients' constitutional rights being violated there's a number of things we do and other experienced DUI defense attorneys will do to try and defend clients from DUI traffic stops and from the field sobriety tests. 
In Oklahoma, what are the penalties for a DUI first? So a first-time DUI offense in Oklahoma is a misdemeanor unless it is a circumstance that amounts to a felony, which would be if you know negligent homicide was caused, great bodily injury was caused. But a first-time DUI offense carries up to a year in jail, up to a $1,000 fine as of today. Uh, but there's also aggravated DUIs, and that's where someone has a blood alcohol content that is perceived to be or documented to be above 0.15 blood alcohol content. And that carries additional administrative punishments, additional community service requirements, additional treatment requirements. Uh, But every first-time DUI, unless there are other factors, is a misdemeanor offense and only carries up to a year in jail. Let's talk about plea bargains. How often do you see that in the system? How often do people accept them? So plea bargains are a necessary evil to some extent because 95 plus percent of criminal cases are resolved by agreement or dismissal. And that comes from a number of places, uh, but it is very, very common. One thing to keep in mind when considering handling the case yourself or using an attorney is that typically when the prosecutor is facing a criminal defense attorney, they know, like, and trust that they know is a fierce advocate, someone that would fight for a client. They know that if they don't give that person a fair deal, that they may have to take that case to trial or fight that lawyer. And so although plea agreements are very prevalent, there are definitely cases that should go to trial. We go to trial on a pretty regular basis, given the right set of facts and the right case. Uh, But the punishment ranges in so many cases are excessive, uh, are punitive beyond what, in my humble opinion, is appropriate. Uh, leads many people to enter pleas. Also, on a simple misdemeanor case, oftentimes it carries up to a year in jail. And so if that person chooses to fight their case, they could be sentenced to a year in jail on something that does not warrant that. And in Oklahoma, we're one of the few jurisdictions in the country where sentencing is done by the jury. Uh, If you have a jury trial decide the outcome of your criminal case in Oklahoma in state court, then that jury will not only decide guilt or innocence, but if they decide that you're guilty, then they will decide what the sentence is. And so that's placing your fate in the hands of six individuals in a misdemeanor or 12 in a felony case. And typically the judges will review those recommendations and enforce what the jury pronounces. Whereas in 40 to 46 of the jurisdictions in the country, it's my understanding that sentencing is handled by the judge. And so it's pretty scary for someone to know that 12 strangers will not only be deciding the facts of the case, but the future and the sentence of our client. As we do this interview, it's the end of August 2020. So we're, what, six months into the COVID pandemic. How are you dealing with that? How are you meeting with clients? Uh, What about the courts in Oklahoma? Talk about that. So the courts in Oklahoma have been a strain on not only the court staff, but the attorneys and litigants across the state. Uh, Administratively, they've tried to do things to make it a safe environment, but unfortunately it's caused a pause for many cases. And so we've dealt with a lot of frustrated clients where their cases aren't moving forward and they'd like them to be, and we'd like them to be, and the opposing parties would like them to move forward. Uh, But just procedurally, that's been difficult. 
as the courts have started to reopen. Uh, we found some really great tools that we hope stay in place. Uh, I appear by Zoom conference or by video conference for multiple court appearances today. I've got a telephone conference court appearance on Friday for a case that's on the opposite side of the state. And so it's our hope that we can continue using the technology available to avoid some of the uh, less substantive court appearances being in person for everyone. But the courts have done a lot to try and deal with those issues. Jury trials have just started to resume and the logistics of spacing 30 or so people for a potential jury pool has been difficult. Some of the things that we have done is we've put in place that currently we don't accept in-person appointments by clients. And if someone does have to come into the office in person, uh, they're required to have their temperature taken and to put on a mask and use hand sanitizer before they can come in the building. We also have been doing quite a few consultations for potential clients and existing clients and opposing parties by video conferencing and by telephone meeting. Our guest today has been attorney John Cannon. He can be reached at 405-657-2323. Thanks for listening to Ask the Expert with Steve Sleeper. Join us next time as entrepreneurs and professionals share their intriguing stories of success and service.